Terry Hannabas is a farmer by day and a musician by nature. <clears throat> he comes to Roanoke each Tuesday night and teaches music lessons at the fret mill downtown. Last week, he made a simple and logical statement, commenting that at every lesson, it's obvious to the teacher whether the student has practiced during the week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard that, Susan. <clears throat> and it's hard to get good very fast when you're only practicing for a half an hour a week on Tuesday nights. If you want to play an instrument well, you have to spend the time, lots of time practicing, sometimes repeating a series of notes over and over until you're sick of them to actually get them right. And this is a challenging thing for us quick-fix Americans. I don't know if it's the competitive, capitalistic nature of who we are that we like to have our results right now. Health problem? Don't make me take a medicine for two weeks to find out if it works. I want the right one now. Tired? Don't take a nap. Take caffeine. (laughs) Overwhelmed? Just fix the problems on the surface. Don't take the time to get down to the real issue. Do you see our kinship to General Naaman? We're not patient patients. We're more like spoiled brats sometimes. That's sort of how he seems in this way. I want to be healed and I want it now. As a military commander, Naaman is used to speaking a command and having it followed immediately. But now he finds himself at a disadvantage. He has this skin problem. Maybe, they call it leprosy in the scripture. We don't know exactly what that means. It could have been what's known as Hansen's disease, which is very hard to cure. It could have been something as simple and treatable today as some sort of rash or eczema. But whatever it was, it rendered him unclean. And that doesn't mean much to us, but to him in that day and for many years following, that was a a type of isolation so that he wasn't even welcome into the religious services, which were the heart and soul of their community. He was apart, isolated. His wife's captive Israelite slave did not have to say a word. In fact, she was actually kind of stepping above her ranks as a slave to speak without being spoken to. And yet, she says something about the prophet in Samaria. Too bad he can't go see the prophet in Samaria. Surely he would have healing for Naaman. Well, the wife hears, Naaman's wife hears this, and you know how women can be with new information. <clears throat> we want to tell somebody. And then, knowing how men can be when they're sick, she probably runs to tell Naaman. Thankfully for all, Naaman attunes his ears to the message that he receives from this little slave girl and finds some hope for healing down south in Israel. Well, Naaman tells his king, who then wants, of course, his commander back with his troops. And so he he gets sent, Naaman gets sent not to Israel's prophet, but to Israel's king. It's kind of a roundabout way, 
And I think that relates to us too. Um, We have this roundabout way we go sometimes to try to get healed. The king admits he is not the healer. And the action stops in this section with, um, or the action stops with Naaman right here as the king tears his clothes in grief, concerned that the king of Aram is going to militarily punish him for not being able to heal his commander. Where do you go for healing? Where do you go for healing? Now, it's easy, of course, to picture our doctor's offices. But thinking beyond that physical healing, who do you expect, whom do you expect to heal you? To whom do you go? We may expect healing of bruised emotions from our partner or our good friend or our spiritual mentor. We may run to our memories of those who have helped us in the past and are no longer with us. And a lot of us, I think, tend to turn to ourselves for healing. And in that way, we bottle things up. We try to take care of them within, within ourselves, and nothing changes. Where do you go for healing? Well, my son brought home a Star Wars book this week, reminding me of my childhood. And we read, it was the first Star Wars, the one without any, a colon after it, like the Clone Wars or the Empire Strikes Back or anything. I thought of Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you've seen the first movie, then maybe you remember the scene where um, Luke Skywalker and the old Obi-Wan Kenobi are in this hovercraft of some sort, and two androids are in the back. And they're the ones who have the information that the evil folks want. And so when they run into this traffic stop of stormtroopers, the the white-clad stormtroopers, then they're wondering, okay, what's this going to be like? The trooper says, let me see your identification. And with a wave of his hand, Obi-Wan Kenobi says calmly, you don't need to see his identification. And the entranced trooper says, we don't need to see his identification. Obi-Wan says again calmly, these aren't the droids you're looking for. The stormtrooper calls to his cohorts, these aren't the droids we're looking for. That was referenced in Dilbert Friday, if any of you read the comic strips. And eventually Obi-Wan Kenobi says, move along. And the stormtrooper, entranced by the force, says, move along, move along. With a word. And Elisha, too, is this calm, strong man of faith who takes care of things with a word. He hears about his king's expression of grief and fear and invites Naaman to his place. And through a messenger then, he tells Naaman to go and wash in the the Israelite Jordan River. It's very far south of his native Syria. And then he'll be clean. Naaman is offended by this prescription. Have you ever experienced that with a doctor? I don't need that medicine. That's not why I came. 
What's wrong with the rivers of Syria, he says. Aren't they better? And seven times, aren't, am I supposed to use a different soap each time I wash? What is the deal here? And he goes away in a rage. Well, you know, we don't know what he's tried before. Who knows? But now, you know, it must be more complicated than just washing in a river seven times. You know, we humans are just like him, unfortunately. We kind of go back and forth. First, Naaman wants a quick healing, and he's willing to pay dearly for it. And now he wants something difficult. He's our brother. (laughs) Each of us needs to be healed in some way, of course. The physical stuff really, in a way, is the easy stuff. Now, I probably shouldn't say that to doctors. (laughs) They wouldn't think that, physicians, but... At least when you have symptoms that can be, you can see them often on tests. You know, we get EKGs or we get MRIs and we can say, okay, this is the problem. This x-ray, here is the broken bone. Let's set it. Other kinds of healing are challenging. Now, we, we keep learning again and again that our physical symptoms are often telltale signs of sickness in other areas of our lives. Our spirits and our emotions cry out for healing and reconciliation in our relationships with God and other people. We yearn for love and acceptance and respect. And we often go in roundabout ways to find it. A leper came straight to Jesus, begging him, Kneeling, he said, if you choose, you can make me clean. Jesus was moved. Some translations say he was moved with pity. Other translations say he was moved with anger. I wonder if it's a combination of the two. Was he angry at the physical and spiritual suffering that leprosy caused? Was Jesus angry at the religious establishment that ostracized this man for something he couldn't control? Whatever Jesus' gut response, his pity and anger catalyzed into action when the man wished aloud for healing. A man I'll call Randall spoke to a group of us in Roanoke last week. Randall was a high school athlete, All-American, basketball and football. He went to the Marines after high school, and after the Marines, he hit the streets, found himself eventually in prison. Afterwards, he got back with Christ, to whom he gives the credit for his healing. Randall moved his family to Roanoke from northern Virginia, having only one aunt in the area. His wife did well for a while, and then she took a wrong turn. Now she's in prison. While Jesus got top billing, Randall spoke of how CHIP had guided him towards healing. CHIP is the acronym for Child Health Investment Partnership. When Randall would have gone the wrong direction, people at CHIP showed him the right one. They're like his family, he said. He's a big macho man. He said, I'm a big macho man. Yet I know it's okay to cry. With these people, I can cry. 
He told about one young son who wasn't talking when he should have been able. And at times, because of the frustration with the inability to communicate, the, the boy was crying because he couldn't talk. And the, his younger sibling was crying because that's what babies do. And the dad was just mm, almost at his wit's end. Chip guided him to a speech therapist. And now, with even though there's still some frustration, there is success and there is hope. And the news is good. Randall recognized that he needed healing. He found it first by seeking it from Jesus. Perhaps he said, if you choose Jesus, you can make me clean. Chip started as the vision of pediatrician Doug Pierce. Probably some of you were raised under his pediatrics. He started it as a way to get the underserved health care for their children. And as he learned about the complexity of their situations, Chip began to address many of those as well. And I've not asked him, but I have to assume that Dr. Pierce had the same gut feelings of pity and anger that Jesus felt when he was confronted with this leper kneeling before him. Here we are as a group of well over 125, I'd say, 150. We have learned that healing is found in Jesus Christ. As we continue to seek healing through him, we also then ask ourselves, what can we do to contribute to the process of healing and restoration? Do you think that's what Doug Pierce asked himself all those years ago? Chip has been around for about 21 years now, and they've helped 13,000 people. That's significant. And I think then, what could we do Calvary, as a group of 125, 150, probably 175 total, considering those who aren't here today, what could we do in 20 years if one person's vision can help 13,000 people? Wow. The possibilities are endless. Imagine how many people we could help. Well, as with Naaman, as with the leper who approached Jesus, we begin by admitting we need healing. We don't have life all figured out. We are not perfect. We are in desperate need of God's love and grace. And to seek that love and grace through vulnerability, through weakness, is actually a strength. And like Randall, only when we recognize that we can't heal ourselves will we reach out to receive God's healing salve on our emotions, our regrets, our failures, our relationships. A leper came to Jesus begging him. And kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, 
be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Do you wish for healing and reconciliation? Have you sought Jesus? Both Naaman and the leper who approaches Jesus respond with gratitude and joy 